This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. Well, here we are, two shopping weeks left before Christmas. Do you want Santa Claus to throw a home under your tree? I don't know. Or how about throw a tree under your home? Anyways, listen, it's an interesting uh, interesting thought about what the market's going to do in the next little while, and I'm going to talk a lot about that today. As well, I've got a great show planned for you because we've got some guests that are going to shed some light on the market. Uh, a little bit, uh, in fact, shortly, I'm going to have Jazz Takar from Royal LePage join me. We're going to be talking about the condominium market right here in Toronto. As you know, uh, last few weeks, we've been talking about different marketplaces. We talked a little bit about Hamilton, talked about Mississauga. Let's uh, let's center it right here and figure out what is going on in the marketplace in Toronto. More importantly, the condominium market. Is it, uh, is it going anywhere or is it going to go through the roof? So we're going to talk a little bit more about that with Jazz uh, in a little while. And of course, one of my favorite guests uh, to join me is Ramana King. And uh, Ramana's got some great articles that have been just recently released. One important one is of course, is when you're unhappy with your realtor, what can you do? Can you imagine being unhappy with a realtor? Unheard of. Well, you know what? There's lots of things you can do, folks, and I'm going to talk to Ramana about that. And why not talk to Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage to find out what we can uh, anticipate for 2017. But you know what? A couple of things that I want to talk to you about today, of course, is uh, the uh, Bank of Canada turned around. And guess what? No surprise, Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Pelos this week actually came out and told us that they are not moving the rate. And it doesn't matter what the Trump nation does, they don't plan on moving the rate. And one of the reasons why is that Canada, of course, has been lagging. Right now, with uh, the infrastructure that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has been, you know, touting and throwing money at, hasn't done anything for the economy yet. And so they're, they're going to keep a watchful eye on it. But right now, it doesn't look like our prime rate's going anywhere. So does that mean people at TD and RBC are, can continue to pound away at the rates and increase them? Well, you know what? It's going to be a little short-sighted because recently we saw some of the stats come in for both CIBC and BMO. And they were very profitable. And you know, the funny thing is, is that if you were to ask me to refer uh, people for mortgages, definitely those two banks are on the top of my list. And I would have to say that they are the ones that are more, that are more friendly to people that want to buy real estate. They are more friendly to investors. And so ultimately in the end, right now, they were very profitable. So good for you, BMO and CIBC. And, uh, you know, keeping, keeping your rates pat for now. Uh, it's very important. Now, Taking a look again, what the economists are saying, they're saying, hey, listen, we don't think we're going to be following the U.S. And we kind of figured that that was going to happen. You know, when we look at the beginning of 2017, they might even consider a little bit of a rate reduction. So what does that ultimately mean to us consumers of of real estate? Well, it means your prime rate can go down a little. Yes, you're going to still have to qualify for the higher number, but the truth be told, you're going to have a little better deal. Now, of course, if that happens, the government's going to weigh in and they're going to create, you know, some kind of plan. I guess, you know what, more importantly, they'll probably do a study first. 
They always want to throw a study. Let's do a study. If the Bank of Canada lowers the rate, well, this is what will happen. I mean, they're really quick to turn around and tell you what will happen if interest rates do go up. CMHC loves to weigh in on that one. And I'm pretty sure the government's going to want to turn around and say, hey, we're going to put a halt to the trading of real estate at some point because what do they do? They They want to interfere as usual. Now, one of the things that we did find out this week, uh, Remax released a study saying that they believe that the market in the GTA is going to go up a 8% for next year, for 2017, 8% increase as far as dollar value. But they've also said that they believe the number of transactions is going to go down by 5% because of inventory. So here's the thing, folks. We are sitting right now today at kind of that teetering point of a market. Is the Toronto market overvalued or could we look at a bubble position? Well, in the situation of bubbles, normally you have more inventory when you have a crash. Everybody leads up, but there's still a lot of stuff kicking around and people trying to transact. If they're telling us now that they believe there'll be less trading done next year, this is why there's a stability that can be coming into the market. Now, 8% is not the number that we saw this year. Of course, in 2016, we're going to finish out the year probably around 17 to 20% year-over-year increase, which is massive. The best part about 8% is, is that it's coming off that peak. We cannot sustain that. So more importantly, it might stabilize it. The outer markets, though, are probably going to have a little bit more of a realistic number. When I say realistic, I'm referring to an inflationary number, 2 to 4%, and that's the one that I really would like to see our markets achieve. This will allow us not to go backwards. If we turn around and all of a sudden interest rates were to shoot up, which they're not forecasting, but if we turn around and all of a sudden everybody dumps the properties on the market because they do want to bail out because of certain situations, then you're going to have an inventory surge plus you're going to have a lot less sales and your prices are going to come crashing down. Does that is that what 2017 looks like? I don't believe so. A lot of the industry experts are saying the same thing. I'm not reiterating what they're saying. I don't agree with half of them out there, but ultimately in the end, I believe that we're going to see some stability come back into the market in 2017. Now, a couple of things I want to talk about t- today also is the simple investor. You know, a lot of a lot of weeks I don't even mention the simple investor anymore because first of all, we don't have any releases. But I thought I'd give you a couple of stats from 2016 and I'm really proud of these stats and and you know, uh, just to say hi to all my investors out there. We uh, we you know, love the fact that uh, you are with us. Uh, we appreciate your dedication. And one of the things I can tell you is this year the simple investor uh, gave out over 6,800 individual monthly rents to our investor base. 6,800 this year alone. So our investors, uh, one of the things that we do is guarantee the rent when you are part of the program. And how we do that is the fact that we are your tenant. So as a tenant, we distributed 6,800 monthly rents to our investor base. And then the tenant that's existing in the properties, which they are all functioning existing rental properties, uh, worked with us and we track them and take care of your units. So a huge number. And uh, I want to uh, definitely thank the staff at The Simple Investor. They are doing a wonderful job and I'm very proud of them. Um, By the way, we do have a new release that's coming. You know, everybody knows it's kind of sitting in the wings, but 
What you want to do is right now email info at thesimpleinvestor.com or go to the website thesimpleinvestor.com and be put on the list. Just so you know, second week of January, we are going to give out more information for the first release of 2017. It is a very limited release. So we always work with a first come first serve basis and this is one of the uh, one of the first ones for 2017. I can tell you what's in store for 2017. Uh, we have the incredible program that we have developed It's called the Simple RRSP Program. We've uh, teamed up with Community Trust. And I can tell you right now, it's turning out amazing. So our first group of investors are realizing an 8% guaranteed interest rate deemed to be a second mortgage on their investments. And uh, so for our first year with it, everybody's realizing that. And I have to say, you know, credit to my partners at Community Trust. Um, and uh, Butler Mortgage, they've done a great job working with us to get this established. Uh, more importantly, what the best thing about this is 2017, we are going to have massive offerings. In fact, we are going to be accumulating another thousand units uh, in 2017 to be part of the RRSP program, which means there's lots of room for people to come and get involved. Again, you can go to the Simple Investor, ask for the information to be sent out to you. We're going to be sending out the packages within the next month of the details of what is coming out. But I can tell you at this stage right now, what the, the overall minimum investment is between fifty to 100000 up to a maximum of 500000 with your RRSP, TFSA, you can use your RIF or you can use cash and you are looking at an 8% interest rate. And that's because it's deemed a second mortgage product. Now, one of the reasons why this is a superior product to, let's say, a REIT, a REIT is a fluctuation of returns. They can say between 6 and 9%. And so you're never sure what you're truly going to get. So this product, uh, part of the syndicated mortgage, um, it is, again, registered through Community Trust. And uh, working with our partners, it's also put into our developments. And we've got, uh, we've got quite a uh, – in fact, I'm so excited about 2017. You're going to hear a lot about this as we continue to progress. But again, uh, you know, fabulous, fabulous uh, 2016. I want to thank everybody for participating in our programs. We're going to continue to guarantee our rents with everybody. This is a program that is set up that no matter what, if you're going to own an investment property, this is the simplest way of doing it. You own it, you buy it. It's actually deeded to you. We control the tenant. We make sure that you are completely hands off. We take care of the rent. We take care of the management, the maintenance, everything. Everything is done for you, except all you have to do sit back and watch the rent come in every single month. And there was 6,800 of those that people were able to look at this year alone. So pretty incredible stuff. And like I said, I want to thank my investors and my staff and team at The Simple Investor. They did a fabulous job. Again, lots to go with. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to find out more. The only reason why I'm taking so much time talking about this today is, first of all, we haven't talked about it in months. Second of all, Again, our new release that's coming up in the beginning of January. If you're excited about investing in real estate, you need to be on that list. And then the other program, the Simple RRSP program. Folks, what were your returns for 2016 on your RRSP investments? 
again, knowing that they are in good, solid, invested real estate that is actually up and running and working is probably the best form of solid investment you can have for the RRSP. When you take a look at things, you don't want speculation. You want to make sure that you're getting your payment and making sure it is done properly. So we've got a lot planned for the rest of the hour here, and we're going to be talking to our professionals as usual. And we're going to talk um, coming up right after the break to Jazz to Carp. We are going to be talking about the Toronto real estate market. Is it something that you want to delve into? Do you want to take a look at some of the Toronto condos? Well, you know what? Stay with us. We'll be right back after this with more right here on News Talk 1010. And I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, Simply Real Estate. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest joining me is Jazz Takur, and he is from Royal LePage Signature Realty. Jazz is a real estate professional, been in the business for many, many years. More importantly, he has a good pulse of what's happening in Toronto. And Jazz, welcome to Simply Real Estate. Well, thanks for having me, Todd. Jazz, you know, one of the things that we've watched this year, of course, is Toronto real estate going through the roof, you know, increases in some marketplaces anywhere from 15 to 25 percent. Um, you know, I'm going to ask you a little bit of your own prediction. Do you see 2017 going the same route? I definitely see increases still in the double digits, probably not in that 17 percent range that we saw in 2016. I think it's going to take a slight dip in terms of the amount of sales as well. So this year we're probably going to end up with about uh, 110,000 sales. I think that's going to be a little closer to, you know, a little under 100,000 and probably appreciations in and around the 10 to 12% range, which is obviously still very high. I always like to use the analogy that, you know, the past couple of years we've been doing 200 miles per hour. I think we're going to start going 150 miles per hour, which is still quite fast. I think that we need to be able to put everybody onto a little bit of a speed warning uh, in in the actual real estate market, you know, getting back to a little bit more of a sensible number. So that way we don't have a bubble position. Jazz, one of the things, you know, I talk a lot about here on the show is the fact that I've always believed that in the Toronto area, we actually have two separate markets, one being the detached market and the other being the condominium market, because we saw appreciation in both markets at different rates. We saw, you know, we saw the ability of people buying the number of units coming into the market all at different rates. So it was very much a separate market. Um, So I want to separate it out with you for a second. When we talk about the condominium market in Toronto, what do you see the future there? And, you know, is this something that people should be weighing into? Should they be investing in the Toronto condominium market? I definitely think they should be taught. And one of the main reasons is, you know, our immigration rate is it's still very high. We're, gonna, we're expecting, you know, 75,000 people uh, coming into the GTA uh, over the next uh, 10 years. So we're looking at about 750,000 people coming in. The new starter home now is a condo. And, and the biggest reason, obviously, is, is, you know, prices for single-family detached homes are, you know, over a million dollars. And the average first-time home buyer can't, is, doesn't have the ability to purchase that. And so what developers actually also know now is that they need to start building condos a little bit larger because it's hard for a family, uh, you know, a husband, wife with uh, one kid and another kid on the way to live in a 650 square foot condo. So what we're starting to see now is developers build condos, even like right in the downtown core with 
900 square feet, two bedrooms plus a den. And when you're starting to see that, and you're starting to see that trend, it's a great time to get into the market because, again, it's going to be, and it is, the, the new first-time home buyer purchase. Well, you know, and, and I, th- I really take to heart your, your point about the larger units, but Jazz, you and I both know, being in real estate for years, there's always been the older condominiums that had the yep. bigger square footages. I mean, if yep. we go back to the buildings that were built in the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s, yep. you know, we used to see units that were 12, 15, 1900 square feet. I mean, they were spectacular, yep. but it's funny, it seems that not everybody wants to buy those because they're the older generation looking buildings, you know, they don't have the amenities, but yet, you know, I see it as a value proposition when you get 1500 square feet, you know, at a much lower price than the brand new stuff in Toronto. Yeah. What, what do you think? Oh, I, te- I definitely agree. Right. And, and, and what you're also noticing is people who are living downtown, they're not also spending a lot of time inside the condos. And so they, they, they're okay with having something a little bit smaller. But with that said, they need something that they can grow into. You know, um, where, where, again, when they have a child coming on the way, maybe a second child, they don't want to leave downtown. That's where they work. That's where they live. That's where they play. So they definitely want to have, you know, something that's a little bit larger as well. So, you know, and, and that's a perfect prelude into the next point is, so now we've got to talk about the move up situation. So we've got yeah. people that are buying semi-detached. We've got people yeah. that are buying townhomes. Yeah. Do you see this market, you know, to, obviously there's a, there's a shortage of supply there. So yeah. this market is probably the one that will have the most consistency for 2017, 2018. Um, you know, what, what's your take and what should people be thinking right now if that's their plan to do a move up next year? Well, I think if they're planning to move up into a semi-detached home, um, they're going to have a tougher time because there is still a lot of buyers looking into areas like right in downtown and around downtown Toronto. Um, but like you mentioned, the supply is still very, very low. They really should look into what a condo can offer them. Right. The fact that there's a a lot less maintenance involved, you don't have to worry about the roof or you don't have to worry about the windows um, and you get amenities, 24 hour concierge, you get pools in some of them as well. You get definitely you get gyms. So I I, I actually think a lot of people should start looking into some of the condos that are, are, are coming up and that are existing already. Okay. So Jazz, quick question for you. You know, you've, uh, you've represented a lot of buyers, obviously, in multiple offers. Maybe a couple of quick tips for buyers that are entering into a mul- multiple offer situation? Great question. Um, one thing is, is get your numbers right first. I think a lot of people are starting to just jump right in. Let's make sure not only do you want to look at the purchase price, that's important, but I truly believe the more important number is the carrying cost. Make sure that you're very, very comfortable with the carrying costs. One, number two, is we always like to say the asking prices are relevant. If you see it listed for $7.99, or so, that really doesn't mean much. Really, whoever you're dealing with, whatever realtor you're dealing with, make sure you find out what are true values in the area. Because again, just because it's listed at $6.99, we're seeing sales at $8.99 in that area. And, 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 and your expert can easily get you what has sold in the area. Another tip that we strongly recommend is getting a home inspection before you put in the offer. You know, it's going to, be co- it's going to cost you anywhere from, you know, four to $500 to get the inspection done. Get that before the date is set 
So if they're, if they're taking offers next Tuesday, let's get a home inspector in as soon as possible. Let's make sure all the financing is taken care of and you're very comfortable with the numbers. You know, one little tip that we always uh, do and it, it works really well is come on offer date, we show up with a certified check. Because what we've seen is from the seller's perspective, if they know there's no financing condition, they know there's no home inspection condition, and you've come with a certified check, they don't have to wait that 24 hours for maybe one of the other buyers to come up with the check. They might have got, you know, buyer's remorse. You, it's essentially a cash deal from the seller's perspective, and that's worked really, really well for us. Excellent. Well, listen, Jazz, thanks for all the great advice and joining us today here at Simply Real Estate. And the best email for, or sorry, the best uh, area for people to get in touch with you? Oh, thanks for that. It's uh, jazz, J-A-S, at recanada.com. So you have two C's in the middle. And the best number to get a hold of me at would be at 416-999-8850. Excellent. Thanks so much, Jazz, for joining us. Thanks a lot, Todd. Take care. Thank you. And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Once again, I just want to thank Jazz Dakar for joining us from Royal Page. Always great to have an area professional be able to talk to the actual market itself. And uh, again, interesting information on condominiums, folks. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. Look, bigger sometimes is better. And in condominiums, that's definitely the case. You know, more square footage means that you probably will not be moving as much. Now, one of my favorite guests to have on is Romana King. She's senior editor and real estate specialist at Money Sense, and uh, welcome to the show, Ramona. Hello, how are you, Todd? Excellent, thanks. So, you know, I know that we told our listeners uh, last time, but uh, for those of you that did not catch the last show with Ramona, she is now a West Coast person living in Vancouver, trying to hide away from the snow, and Ramona, that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) No, we got dumped on. Happy, happy skiers, though. Happy snowboarders. Oh, I'll bet, you know, and and again, such, such a lovely area. Um, you know, lots to talk about today. Of course, you know, when I always like getting a little bit of an idea of the update in the BC market, I understand uh, numbers seem to be still sliding a little. Um, what, what's the BC market looking like right now? Uh, it's sliding a little. They're saying that across the board, there's been, uh, a, you know, a small decline, about 5-7%. Um, but we haven't seen, we still haven't seen dramatic. I think it's mostly on the outskirts. I think the, the you know, the high demand areas still have to see a bit of a, a change um, going into 2017. I, I think part of the problem is you have pent up demand and, and people still trying to get in with low fees. I think the threat of higher interest rates next year is still pushing some of that demand. Well, you know, interesting point about that because uh, this week, um, Governor Stephen Pelos actually mentioned that they don't feel like they're going to move with Trump, which is, <laughs> I think, a positive thing, but that the fact that the Bank of Canada is probably going to keep its uh, its rate in a neutral position for 2017. In fact, they'd even still toyed around with the idea of maybe reducing it a little if we don't uh, see the economy jumpstart a little. Um, so do you think do you think that's going to help? the Vancouver slash BC market, you know, kind of stay stable? I think it will. And I, I think that's the issue is that what, what happens with interest rates. And I, as much as we're hearing the Bank of Canada saying, listen, if all things remain the same, we're not going to follow Trump, we're just going to, 
but what if the economy picks up? What if we see, you know, a bit of an uptick in the oil price and the price of the barrel of oil and, and you know, Alberta is able to recover a bit more, Newfoundland's able to recover a bit more. If we see some of these positive economic growth prospects across Canada or more so than the Bank of Canada, which is typically a conservative, they have a conservative perspective of the economy. If we see more of an uptick, then, you know, interest rates will go up sooner rather than later. Yeah. No, and, and in a in a hot marketplace, um, as you and I both know, you typically have about a 90-day window where, you know, people are getting their commitments. They're trying to, you know, if they're looking at fixed mortgage rates, they kind of lock it in. And then as soon as everything does come into effect, then all of a sudden that's where you see the brakes hit the market. And uh, again, one of those things that I think you and I can watch definitely at the very beginning of the year. Um, you know, you've got some great columns and I always try to encourage everybody to make sure you go to moneysense.ca and read Ramana's uh, latest columns. One of them that you had is uh, five home selling myths debunked. So the five myths that, that we identified at MoneySense is that one, you are required to use a real estate agent when selling a home. And that in fact is a myth. Uh, two, the best tool to sell a, lawn, a home is a lawn sign in an open house, and in fact, that is a myth. Uh, three, to have a successful open house, all you need to do is tidy up, and, and that's a myth. Uh, four, you don't have to report the sale of your home to the Canada Revenue Agency, the taxman, and, and that, in fact, is now a myth. And five, when buying a home using a mortgage, a home insurance is optional, and that is, in fact, a myth. Wow. Okay, so let's, let's, let's back it up for one second. Your five myths have now crushed every realtor in the industry. To pick on a few of them, because I think, I think you and I can probably analyze them. You know, the idea, of course, uh, that you have to have an agent, um, that, uh, that in itself is, is just silly. There's lots of private sales that get done, the transactions. Um, you know, I think that most people know that if, they are, if they're trying to get overall market exposure because the realtors have control of the MLS market, which a lot of people then have access to seeing what's for sale. I think that's one of the things, and again, you know, I know for a fact that uh, here in Ontario, they continue to fight with TREB and the Competition Bureau. That's one of those ones that I guess you and I both can agree that it's, you know, it's always weighted towards the realtors. Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, people sort of, you know, poo-poo the realtors. To be fair, realtors and all their boards and all their, their different brandings and different brokerages, they put the time and the money into building a system that made it universal, that made it very easy so that you could... You know, 91% of people start their, their real estate search online. The reason why that, that it even exists is because realtors put the time and the money into building that system. So, yeah, they do have ownership of that system. If you want to sell your home, if you want to buy a home, you need to go online, you need to go onto the MLS system, and that is controlled by, by realtors. It doesn't mean you need to use a real estate agent. There's lots of brokerages out there that allow you to pay a flat fee and get on on MLS by yourself. But then you do have to do the legwork. And, and you know, I've actually talked about the fact that if you want to uh, sell your home by yourself, great, you save a lot of money, but it isn't exactly free. You still have to spend some money to sell that home. It's it's a marketing fee, essentially. Yeah, um, and, and I, I, think, I think a take that I, I always take on it is this. When people want to do private sales, normally, you know, they'll if they throw an ad on Kijiji or put up their own little private for sale sign out front, you know, they're limiting the number of people that actually know that it's available. When you yeah. when you put it up on the MLS, you've now exposed it to every potential buyer in the world. 
And yep. I think that that's probably the one thing that people miss. They, you know, they say, oh, but I can do a private deal. You know, you know, you know, so-and-so has got a friend that's really interested in my property. It doesn't mean you're getting the highest price. You know, highest mm-hmm. price is always the most willing buyer and what the seller's willing to take. But ultimately in the end, if you're a seller, you know, getting, getting more people interested in your property is definitely to your advantage. Absolutely. I mean, everyone knows if you have five people interested in, in your property, the price is going to be pushed up because you're going to have competition. And this is a competitive market. Uh, the, most of Canada is a competitive market right now. Um, so, yeah, you want absolutely the most amount of eyes on that property. And the best way to do that is to get on MLS and, and to have representation. So to, to follow along the whole realtor part of it, um, when people are unhappy with their realtor, you know, do you want to uh, want to help our listeners out a little, uh, let them know some of the things they should be doing? Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is a lot of people assume that if you're unhappy, you have to just sort of sit it out and wait it out and do nothing and just, you know, gripe to your friends and family. And, and that's not actually the case. A lot of times, uh, you know, an unhappy situation can actually be turned around quite quickly. You got to remember, you're dealing with salespeople. Salespeople will try to the best of their ability make you happy because they want that commission. So simply by having a conversation, you know, part of this was was a, a question posed by a reader. They were out of out of the country actually, and they were unhappy with the way their realtor was actually handling the sale of their Canadian home. And the first, you know, first solution would be to have a phone call or have a face-to-face meeting with that that realtor and say, you know, this is what I expect, or this is what I expected. Why is this not happening? Or, or you know, what is your actual um, plan for the property in order to try and sell for the most amount of money? Quite often, that realtor will either provide you a plan that maybe you didn't even know that this is what they were doing behind the scenes, or maybe they didn't realize what your expectations were, and now they can actually act on those expectations. So the first plan of action is talk to the realtor themselves. If you do that and you're not happy, then go above them. Go to their manager. Um, I've actually done that. I've actually gone to the manager of a brokerage where I was unhappy with the realtor's conduct. I thought that they were being a bit shady. Not shady, I thought that they didn't quite understand what was going on in the transaction, and, and despite the fact that I kept trying to have conversations with the individual, I just didn't think they were getting it. So I went to their manager, and their manager was able to sit down and explain in a way that perhaps I wasn't. Uh, and then the, the transaction was quite smooth after that. So definitely go to the manager. That's what they're there for. And if worst-case scenario, I'd go to the council. Go to the provincial council, lodge a complaint, and someone who has the expertise to follow up on that complaint should, um, you know, at least approach your your, your complaint or your, your problem with the manager and with the brokerage themselves. Yeah, all good advice. Um, you know, obviously everybody when starting out, and this is why I think people have to be very careful when they do start out with realtors. When you're in, when you're actually interviewing a realtor, make sure you know their action plan is spelled out. Understand what they're going to do for you ahead, and don't have expectations that aren't going to be met. Because again, it's a lot better to start it off uh, right on the right foot. Yeah, and, and you're interviewing them. You want to know their strategy, so it's absolutely within your rights to say, you know, how do you actually plan to market my home? How do you actually plan to attract the buyers to my home? And if their only plan is to stick a lawn sign and have a couple of open houses, you have a problem there. Uh, You know, yes, it's a competitive market. Yes, there's a lot of people looking. But even, you know, the sale of my home recently, I had to be very active and work the phones and send out the emails and really make sure that everyone that needed to know that my house was for sale knew that my house was for sale. And, you know, I was able to sell my house for top dollar, so I'm not unhappy about that. <laughs> I would expect you to. <laughs> Anyways, um, listen, Romano, always a pleasure having you here on the show. And thank you so much once again for weighing in. And remember, folks, make sure you go.
go to moneysense.ca and uh, look up some of Romana's uh, articles. Great tips. So thanks so much, Romana, and Thank great you talking to you today. And we'll be right back after this, so stay with us. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You know, folks, I got to tell you, I love having conversations with Romana King. Now she is out in the western part of Canada in Vancouver. You know, it's great having eyes right there. Uh, she'll be able to update us as time goes on about the uh, market uh, market that's going on in Vancouver right now. And always, uh, always good to read her articles. You know, I got to tell you, some interesting stuff. Speaking of interesting, you know, one of my uh, other favorite guests that I have on on a regular basis is Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage, and he is joining me now. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Todd? Good, thanks. So, interesting <laughs> stuff always, you know. You and I, it's kind of funny. You know, we start laughing because we do talk to each other a fair bit, but it's, you know, some of the stuff that's going on in the marketplaces and, um, you know, a lot actually happening. I understand the, the, the final part of the rules that are coming in on the mortgage industry are now in. Is that correct? They are in effective uh, November 29th, and that is basically affecting all the non-major bank lenders, essentially, uh, on a refinance application. Some are taking them, but they're doing them on their own books now. Uh, some are not. They've just frankly said, we're not taking refinances. And then obviously, you've got the 25-year amortization maximum across the board on those lenders. Now, we still have the major banks uh, that are still, you know, still business as always, 30-year amortization. Um, you, know, uh, you know, they are allowing refinances. But uh, definitely the new rules have impacted these smaller lenders. You know, interestingly enough, you and I uh, kind of did a little bit of an email volley saying, and because National Bank um, is also changing their structure, um, yeah. maybe, you can, uh, <laughs> maybe you can enlighten our listeners to that. Yeah, so I was, I was away in Europe last week with my wife, and I'm getting emails after emails saying uh, that National Bank just abruptly left the mortgage broker channel. So uh, essentially, mortgage brokers, we had access to National Bank, Scotiabank, and TD Bank, and then you had RBC, CIBC, and BMO kind of doing their own mortgages with their own sales guys. National Bank has now left the broker channel. I wouldn't necessarily say National Bank was a huge lender that a lot of brokers did use. Um, they weren't the easiest to work with. I'm just being honest. Um, and certainly uh, uh, the, the idea is that they are gone. Um, but I've heard some rumblings that they will be working with Mirix, who is a smaller lender. Uh, they will be somehow doing mortgages. I'm waiting for kind of more of the details with that. But maybe if you're a mortgage, sorry, a Mirix, uh, generation lead guy, you may have access to national banks. So it's kind of, it's, it's really up in the air. It was very abrupt. We had a lot of people get fired. I had some, we, uh, even personally, my office, we had some issues with uh, closings with national bank last week, because of course, when they fire everybody, not everybody's going to want to do the job that they normally do. And so uh, there was, there were some nightmare situations caused last week. Interesting. Um, and, and yet, you know, the funny thing is in, in the news over the last week or two, what we've seen, of course, is, and, and you and I did discuss this, that TD, you know, they want to edge up their own, you know, prime market, we'd say. Uh, <laughs> our RBC has followed suit. You know, they wanted to inch up a little bit of their interest rates that they were playing with. And yet in the last week, we've seen BMO and CIBC sit on the fence, and yet they also announced excellent profits. So I, you know, I applaud them as banks. 
and yet they are, uh, you know, they seem to be doing really well. And uh, they, you know, the result of their uh, quarterly uh, profits were up. Yep. And they seem to be doing really good business. Um, you know, is this is this? Are we going to see TD and RBC probably back it up a little in the near future? Because, I mean, if, if everybody's not taking the bait, you know, and, and you and I have watched this and we had watched it a few years ago when, when BMO, you know, pulled the market down with them, which was perfect. Yeah. But, you know, are, are we going to watch are, – are people going to follow TD, RBC or are TD and RBC going to do a reversal? It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's the same kind of concept as far as this – you know, it's, it's, in a way, it's just a wait and see. I mean, you know, as far as also you know, with regards to interest rates. We all kind of expected this. I mean, anyone that's been in the market has expected that, you know, from a cyclical standpoint, we were going to see fixed rates start to go up in October, November, and we have. Uh, you know, and will we see them come back down in the spring like they have the last three years? You know, and will that be the time that maybe TD and RBC look and say, hey, did everybody follow us? You know, or they look behind them, and if nobody's there, do they go back to where, you know, to what they were doing? And it's, it's interesting. The TD thing blows my mind because they basically increased their prime uh, but then they offer a, a bigger discount so that their rate ended up being the same that they were offering from before. So that one has my head scratching. And then, but who knows? I mean, the crazy thing is, is with all this movement going on, it's almost like we have to wait and see kind of little, let a little more dust settle. And kind of the truth is we'll have a really good firm answer on what's going on likely in the early spring. That, that's my idea, at least. So this week, Bank of Canada met and Governor Stephen Pelosi had turned around, indicated that, A, they're not doing anything with Prime. Yep. Um, a few of the economists have said that, you know, potentially even beginning of 2017, we might even see a little bit of a reduction potentially because they don't see the economy turning around as much. The other thing, though, that they threw out into the mix is that we're not going to Trumpify. So just because Donald Trump's going to probably get the U.S. pushing their interest rates up a little, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the bond market's getting stronger, that kind of thing, they're actually saying that Canada is going to sit on the fence on this one probably. We're probably not looking at an in, uh, you know, Bank of Canada increasing their rates throughout all of 2017. Their first uh, analysis is that potentially in 2018. What's your take on that? Because, you know, a lot of people right now, they're, 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 you know, some people may be getting a little bit nervous saying, hey, listen, should we buy? Should we jump into the market? You know, what's our solution? Obviously, you know, we, we tell them go to, you know, Butler Mortgage and, and you've got lots of solutions there. Sure. But, but realistically, if we're looking at numbers and the economy and the Bank of Canada, you know, what should we be looking at right now? Well, I mean, it's funny in that in 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 that Bank of Canada kind of uh, discussion with regards to the interest rates the other day. It, they, I, I saw this this one line and it made me think. And they they basically put out a point to say that we don't anticipate lowering the rates unless there is some type of a tremendous uh, negative impact on on the housing market next year. So uh, it, you know, ultimately, I think what they think is they've changed the rules. They they've been very vocal that they want to at least decrease activity by about 5%. Um, and so certainly, but from what I see, is if they don't get the result they want, they may be in a position to have to lower the rate. So it's, it's, an, it's an interesting position right now um, as far as how to, how to move forward. No, what are we doing today? The truth is, as of today, right now, it, to me, it's a variable play. I mean, as far as, you know, there's no point in buying a fixed rate when it's already hit a spike. And we know that there is some cyclical data that we could see a reduction in the early spring. So what I'm saying to all my clients is very simple. Don't panic right now. Anyone locking into a fixed rate right now, you're locking in potentially higher than what you could get in the spring. It's not saying I have a crystal ball and I can see this, but for me, I look at patterns, right? And I'm seeing this pattern and I'm saying, hey, wait a second, we should be looking and making our decision in the spring. So if you're anyone right now that's purchasing a home or getting a new mortgage, 
I would be saying to them, it's best to go on a variable. It's flexible. We have that flexibility. We know the bank of Canada is not likely moving on this. So we can kind of sit and wait and see what happens with the fixed rates. And that's really been my approach from ever since these rates started moving. So when we take a look at the rates now, Dave, just to give a, you know our, our listeners kind of a brief overview, uh, if we're talking at a variable rate, what are people able to achieve today in the marketplace? You're, you're anywhere as far as even, you know, just on an average range, you're at 2.15 to say 2.35. Uh, and that would be for a, a very a very regular average variable rate. On a fixed rate, though, we've actually seen about a quarter to 30% basis point increase. So we're sitting in around, some of the banks are sitting at 2.74. Some of the smaller lenders are kicking around at 2.59, 2.69. I've even seen some as high as 2.79 or 2.84. So you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing about a difference in the point say, 4 to 0.5 range between the variable and the fixed, very different from what we saw in the summer. We saw the, basically the variable and the fixed rate almost on par with each other on the five years. So there's definitely been a bit of a, a, bit of a sway. But, that is, you know, Todd, you and I both know that's kind of normal. The fixed rate and the variable rate being on par with each other isn't generally the norm. You usually have the variable a little lower, and that's why it's a bit of a gamble, right? So... Yeah, and one one of the one of the points, and 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 I have to make this for our listeners, and and I'm pretty sure that you can you can back this up is the fact that, you notice how everything we you and I talk about if with interest rates, it starts with a two, you know, <laughs> like I mean, in all fairness, um, you know, yeah, I I agree. Everybody wants a deal, but Dave, you know, you're 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 talking a fixed five year rate, you know, if it's two six two seven two eight. Um, this is not horrible money by any stretch. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can tighten, you know, people can tighten down the screws and they get they get a variable sitting at, you know, 2.1, 2.2, 2.3. And yeah, that sounds a lot more attractive. But, you know, if you and I are honest with, with our listeners, yes. uh, 2.7, 2.8 is not the Titanic going down, hitting that iceberg. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, not, it's not devastating. You know, it's funny. I aching it to someone who bought Amazon stock at 10 bucks back in 2002 and they're upset that it's now gone from 743 down to say 725. It's just, you know, you're 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 not you're not losing anything in interest rates in the twos. You know, most of our parents are, you know, and even some of us remember back in the late 80s, early 90s when, you know, their interest rates were in the high teens to low 20s. So I mean, you know, when we're sitting in a two in front as you say, you know, we're we're in a very 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 good position. Interest rates and mortgage payments are going to be very manageable at those rates still. So. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Dave, always a pleasure to have you here at Simply Thank Real Estate. You. Greatly appreciate it. Remember, folks, go to uh, butlermortgage.ca. You can get in touch with Dave Butler always and uh, and his team. So thanks so much, Dave. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. Take okay. care. Thank you. Folks, um, you know, interestingly enough, you know, what is 2017 going to hold for us? Well, 2016 was definitely a good year in the real estate world. I know a lot of people were suffering trying to buy properties and they had to, what they felt overpay when they got into competition. Um, but, you know, ultimately in the end, again, a lot of those people now that they're in their homes, they're probably happy. They've got decent mortgages. If you uh, locked in, uh, you know, in, in the lower rates, Five-year mortgage is sitting at around 2.6, 2.7 for five years. That is a very, very attractive rate. Now, I always give you my disclaimer, make sure you are doing something you can afford. Understand rates will eventually go up. I can't tell you exactly when. Right now, they're saying not in 2017. But don't just uh, leverage yourself to a point where, you know, if they do inch up, that it's going to create hardship. Not the right way of going. 
Um, just want to follow up from where I started today. Uh, remember, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. Um, we've got a real exciting 2017 coming up and uh, lots lots more for all of you. And of course, I want to thank my uh, producer, Ian Grant, for being back in the studio and working with me as usual. And I want to thank all my guests uh, today. I want to thank Jazz Decker. Ramana King and Dave Butler. Always great to have you all weigh in. And more importantly, I want to thank you, our listeners. You know, you do make the show. And I try to keep it simple, as I will do next week at 4 p.m. So, for all of us here at News Talk 1010 and Simply Real Estate, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and have a great week. 